So last night, uh, we had a great time of fellowship uh, until early in the morning. You know, it's one of those things where uh, even, even though it's an adult retreat, uh, it felt like a youth retreat in kind of ways. Uh, you know, we were staying up late. I think I went to bed around 2 o'clock. Um, so I'm a little tired, but, you know, it was fun. And uh, last night, the way it kind of ended uh, was I was talking with Femi. Uh, where's, where's, where's Femi? Where's Femi? Where's Femi here? Oh, I see you, Femi. I can write you right there. We're talking, I was talking to Femi. And, uh, and Michelle and, and Andre, right? Like, uh, we were talking about Kanye's CD. <laughs> Kanye West's new CD. And, and I don't know if you've heard it. Um, it's, it's, it, it was really interesting. I, and I, I've been thinking about it all morning in, in terms of our conversation. I even listened to the, the CD again this morning. Uh, it's, a, it's a gospel, it's a gospel album. And um, we were talking about yesterday, and, and I, I think I, I, I played devil's advocate a little too much last night, because I, I was basically like, man, Kanye just wants money, he's just interested in, in getting like CD sales, like he's not really interested in the Lord, he's not really interested in Jesus being king, like he, does he really mean what he's saying? And, and I remember um, even last night as we are talking, poor Michelle, Michelle, uh, Michelle was like, but like, isn't this album still good? Like... <laughs> Like, what if he really means it? Like, who are we to judge? Who are we to judge if Kanye believes it or not? Like, like, the words are good. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. And if you listen to the words, and I was even telling Femi, I was like, the words in this, like, I, I find myself saying it to you. And I find myself saying the same words because, I mean, the CD, really the lyrics, um, theologically are very sound. And, and it's kind of weird. I'm saying, Kanye West is theologically sound. Like, oh, let's go. But... I was, I was reading the lyrics, and it's like, hey, I can, I can be saying that to you here on the pulpit. I could probably bust out the lyrics and read it to you, and it would sound like a good sermon. And I realized I'm looking at Kanye and being like, he's just interested in the money. He's just interested in the CD sales. He's just interested in his own ego, his own pride. He's just in interested in that. He's playing us all. And I'm like realizing as I was... Waking up this morning, and I was saying, Lord, I do the same thing. I'm just like them. And the same way I'm judging Kanye and being like, maybe he doesn't even believe what he's singing. Mm. I wonder, I wonder, do I believe what I'm preaching? Mm. Do I really believe what I'm saying to you over this time? Do I really believe the gospel? And the answer is, the answer is, Kind of. But that is why we have church. That is why we have community. It's because our faith has its ups and downs. The Lord remains the same, but there are times we are on fire and we're just ready to go out and evangelize and, and, and preach the good news that even if you're not a pastor, there are times the Lord is firing you up and you come from back from a retreat or you come back and you're like, I'm ready to go. Let's write a gospel album. Let's be like Tommy and make a rap album. You know, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. But then there are those times where you, you, you think to yourself like, man, I can't believe, I can't believe I, I said those words. Like, I, I, again, I was, I was telling Femi, I was like, you know, what if Kanye's next CD, he's like basically saying, I am the Lord. You know, I am Jesus. I am Messiah. And I was like, yeah, maybe Kanye will do that because he's kind of, you know, has a few bolts loose. You know, like he, he's not there. But I realized maybe I'm not like that extreme. But you know what? 
There are times in my life that I come up on Sundays and I preach that Jesus is Lord, but Monday comes around, I'm Lord again. I'm the one making the decisions. I'm the one calling the shots. I'm the one managing my money. I'm the one managing my job. I'm the one managing my family. I'm the one making all the calls. And so, yes, Jesus is Lord on Sunday, but Jeremy is Lord the rest of the week. The church is here. The church is here to remind you one thing. Jesus is Lord. The church is here to remind you when you are on the mountaintops, Jesus is Lord. To remind you he's in control. It's about him. Even though you're on cloud now, even though everything you're touching is gold, that he is Lord and it is good. And we are also here to remind you when you are on the bottom of the bottoms, when you are suffering and crying, that Jesus is Lord. To remind you that even though you're going through your struggles, even though you're going through your pains, there is a God who loves and cares about you. Your purpose as a church is not, is not to fill up the seats, is not to increase your budget, is not to buy a building, is not to do all the things that sometimes we make it out to be. It's not about us, it's all about Him. Thank you. Because that's an amen thing to say, is that there are times we think, we think it's about us, but it's all about Him. Would you open up your Bibles with me to James chapter 5, and we're going to read verse 13, and I'm, I'm talking to the church. I'm talking about how we are supposed to leave, we are supposed to leave this place, go back to our homes. What really are we supposed to do differently? What, what are we going to do differently about our lives now that, now that we have this great retreat? How are we going to operate any differently? What is the work that I'm going to charge you to do? What should your faith produce? And it's not going to be the good works that you think, but it's going to lead to looking like good works. But let me, let me read the word. It says in, in James chapter 5, starting from verse 13, it says, Is, any, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, according, uh, uh, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruits. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. See, this, this passage is talking about authority, in my opinion. And I think a lot of you, when you, we read this passage, when we're reading this passage, you hear a lot about prayer, and it is about prayer. But what's based in this prayer is that this prayer that we pray has the authority, has the power behind it to heal the sick. 
It has the power to break chains of bondage of sin. It has the power to say that this prayer that we can pray has the authority to save souls. The problem that a lot of churches have, that a lot of people have, is a lot of times we think it's the prayer that heals them. That it's the prayer that breaks the chains. No, it's the authority that has been given to us through Christ. And because Christ can save, and Christ can heal, and Jesus is the only one who can save a soul from death, but we have been given full access to Christ. This isn't saying that you can save anyone. That if, as a pastor, I can pray over someone, and my words are the words that are going to heal this person, but it's Christ. It's Jesus who is allowing us to be used as a servant to heal this person, to bless this person, to encourage this brother, encourage this sister, to walk with them. What what I mean to say is a lot of times we, we treat prayer so, so flippantly because there's no power behind it. We treat prayer like it's, it's not that important because we don't have much authority. And we don't live uh, with authority because when we speak, the mountain doesn't move. When we speak, we don't see the healing. When we pray, I mean, he brings up this, uh, this, uh, now, uh, this, uh, uh, this use of imagery of Elijah, and he didn't pray, for, he prayed that it wouldn't rain. And it didn't rain. And when he prayed for rain, it rained. Like Elijah, we're like, man, Elijah's prayer life must have been good because he can basically like almost like witchcraft it, like, it chant these things, make an incantation, and all of a sudden it doesn't rain. And then when he says the magical words, it can rain. But what he's trying to point to, it's not the words of Elijah that have authority. It's who he's praying to that has authority. He's praying to the holy God, the most living God, the beautiful, most perfect, omnipresent, omniscient God of the universe. And can, does God have the power to stop it from raining? Does God have the power to make it rain? Does God have the power to heal? Does God have the power to bring those who are dead to become alive again? And the answer is yes, but we pray as if the answer is I don't know. We pray as if we are talking to a dead God rather than talking to a God who is alive. I'm not saying that when we pray, we pray as if we have authority over God. And I've seen this happen. You know, someone's sick and and, and people pray and say, you need to have faith and if you're sick, we will pray over you and if you have enough faith, then God will save you. God will heal you. That puts all the onus of responsibility on the person that you're praying for. If I have faith, God will heal me. If I don't, God won't heal me. And all of a sudden, the authority lies on that person's faith. No, the person's faith has nothing to do with it. It all has to do with the authority of the Father, of God himself. And when we begin to pray in a way that is focusing our attention on God and his will and his plan, then our heart becomes like God's heart. 
A lot of times when you pray for someone, you think you love that person so much. And so you want, you want them to have their prayers answered. And I love you so much. And so I want your prayer to be answered. And so I'm going to pray that it happens. And we make this assumption, I love you so much. And so I'm going to pray to God that your prayer request happens. God loves that person more than you do. And God is smarter than you. He knows that maybe if that prayer gets answered the way they want, it's not going to be good for them. It's going to be terrible for them. That maybe it's better that God's will is done than your will be done. And so when we pray, we pray in submission to his authority over our lives. When we come together, we need to be willing to be wrong. We need to be willing to surrender, to be humble. The message of the word is far more important than my word. The message that I bring to you is far more weighty, has far more authority than what my words have to say to you. Because my life, my life can be taken apart and you can call me a hypocrite. You can say the words that I'm saying that I really don't live this out in the same way that we can make fun of guys like Kanye and other celebrities and other even worship leaders and say, how can they write these songs of worship if their life isn't reflective of the words that they're singing or the words that they're preaching? And there have been preachers that they preach these amazing sermons and then their lives fall apart to sexual immorality or various sins and various embezzlements and greed and all these wrong things. And what we say is then because their sin, their words have no authority any longer. That is absolutely wrong. Yes, they are sinful. And yes, they are broken. But the words don't have authority because they're out of human mouths. The words have authority because they are from God. Because His word has authority. So it's not about the person, it's about the message. When you pray for someone, a lot of your prayers are ineffective. You feel, you feel that ineffectiveness because when you pray, you're praying from your own authority. You're saying, you're saying, you know what, I want this to happen because I, I want it to happen. Let my will be done. And so I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast that my will be done. And so there's no authority in that kind of prayer. It's based on your authority. But when we pray to God as a community, as many voices going to the most high God, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, and we go to Him and we say, Lord, we're praying for Your wisdom, for Your plan, and Your authority in our lives. Your prayers will be incredibly effective. That there is power when you speak. That you can... You can pray with boldness because it's not about your will. It's not about what you want. It's about saying and repeating what God wants and what you know what God wants because God loves all. God loves everyone. That God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for us, to live for us, to be our savior. I want you to be a praying church. But it doesn't mean that you have to come early morning every day and pray like many of your parents did, like many of your grandparents did. 
But you know the beauty of at least my Korean heritage, the beauty of seeing, seeing these grandparents go, come in the morning and pray fervently, is because when they come and pray, what I, what I witness, and again, I'm not judging their hearts, what I witness is their humility. They understand that they have very little power. They're old, they're frail, they're fragile. But I've never thought that their prayers are weak. Mm, amen. I've always known their prayers are powerful, not because they're strong, but because the God they're talking to is amazing. My grandmother in Denver, um, she has a, a prayer list of people she prays for, and it gets longer and longer. She explains to me, she goes, I have more and more grandchildren and great-grandchildren. I have more and more people to pray for. And she calls me every once in a while. And she goes, Jeremy, I've been praying for you. Every day, I pray for you. Y'all, that's, that's not powerful because my grandmother who loves me so much is praying for me that her words are a magical spell of protection over me my grandma can't do that <laughs> she's not a witch she's the daughter of the most high king and a daughter of the most high king is praying for protection over me is praying that God would, would lift up me and my family and our children and she prays for my children her great grandchildren and again, it's not her words that hold this power. It's that she's going to the Lord as a daughter saying, Dad, Father, Lord, bless Emery, bless Pennant, help them. And she prays for their future spouses because she's, so, she's so wonderful. But I know it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Because I know God is already forming and shaping their spouses. Do I pray like that? I don't pray like that because I, I, I think to myself, what's the point? Why, why, why do I need to pray for my kids' spouses? That's, that's going a little overboard. I'm sure their spouses will be fine. God has it all under control. He's going to be good. It's gonna, they're going to you know, meet the right, right people. Man, what a terrible attitude. I act as if my prayers have no weight and no authority. Because, again, I base it on my authority. I base it on luck and chance and opportunity. I'm sure my daughter will find someone good if she goes to the right school, goes to the right college, has the right job. She'll, she'll meet the right guy. And, and he, hopefully he'll be good if, they go, if she goes to the good church and she has a good pastor. And, and, and maybe the pastor can even introduce her to the, my authority. Why don't I start getting on my knees and saying, Lord, you have more authority. You have more authority to take care of my daughter than I do. You have more authority to know what her plans are and your, your plans for her are far better and far greater than my own. Church, I'm just trying to get to you in, in this closing sermon to understand that prayer is not weak. You are weak. Your prayers, your words may be weak. It may feel weak. But the reason why they feel weak is because you're not really praying to the most high living God. And that's why we have community. To lift each other up. Because it is too hard to pray by yourself. You think you can pray by yourself. Sometimes we, we want to individualize it and make it work. You know, I don't want to talk to other people about my vulnerabilities, about the things I need to confess to other people because there's this sin that is making me go crazy, but I don't want to share it because I don't want you to judge me. I, I don't want you to look at me and say 
like how, how weak and, and, and useless I am. But sometimes you being real with how weak and useless you are in your sin will open the door to how strong and beautiful God is. So being vulnerable with your brothers and sisters in Christ, although it may hurt because you are weak and broken, may lead to all of you coming together to find the answer in the only one who can answer it. So in your house churches, confess your sins. Maybe not in your house churches, but with a brother or sister. Have an accountability partner. Talk about, talk about your lust. Talk about your greed. Talk about your pride, your anger, your frustrations. And in a safe space of church, like how beautiful is it that we all have agreed to come to, to Tyler, Texas, to talk about spiritual things. The reason why there's power in that is not because I have the answers. Y'all, I am 30 years old. I have a, a, like the amount of wisdom as like, you know, a bean. Like, I'm not wise. All I can bring to you is introduce you to the Lord who has wisdom beyond all comprehension, beyond all understanding. So practice this, not just when you're here at Pine Cove. Practice this in your home churches, in your house churches. Practice this in your individual meetings, in your individual meals with one another. That's church. Church isn't about you. Church isn't about your works. Church is about his works. The beautiful thing is, is that when we do this and we pray like this, you end up doing the works that you are so afraid of doing in the first place. When you end up doing this, God starts opening up doors where you have a desire to go and do children's ministry. He opens up, he opens up the, the avenues of your heart where you want, you have a desire to become a shepherd, become, become a leader of a, of a house church. Because, not because you're obligated, because you have seen the glory of a God who answers prayer. You've seen the power and authority of God who can do miracles in your life. So of course you want to share. Of course you want to spread that because it's so wonderful and it's so amazing to see those chains be broken by Christ. All I'm saying is I'm a very prideful person. Very, very prideful. And a lot of, a lot of my problems... A lot of my problems come because I'm so prideful. I think it's my work that is so important. As a pastor, it's one of the deadly poisons of the ministry. I do so much work. I do so much. I, I'm, so, I'm so good. I'm so Christian because I preach and I teach. And now people are inviting me to places. And you know what? It's great. It's wonderful because I'm such a good Christian. So when I go to heaven, God's going to say, you've done so much work. No. No. My work doesn't matter. God's work through me matters. So me being here and saying these words, the only reason why it matters so much is not because my words get to your ears. It's because I'm praying for you that the Holy Spirit will be touching your hearts. That it's not me. I'm praying that it's Him. It's His work. 
and in his work, being a part of his work, not even being a partner, but being a servant unto the work of the Lord Most High, is an honor and privilege. And I want to do it the rest of my life. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. I pray that as we go back to our homes, Lord, would we be a praying church? Not praying by our own authority, not praying with our own words, but praying to you, asking for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, that today that you would give us our daily bread as we partake in communion, that we would understand that this bread and this juice are a symbol, is a memorial unto you, Lord, for what you've done on the cross. I pray, Lord, that as we take this, that your Holy Spirit would be in us, would rest inside of us, would comfort us. And Lord, that when we are sick, that we would come together and pray, that when we are encounter various trials, that we would be on our knees, that when we are happy, we would sing songs of praise. I pray that in all these things, we would be directed and pointed to the cross. We would be pointed to Jesus, that in anything and everything, we would be people of the word. That we would be people nourished by your words and not our own. I pray against our prideful desires. I pray against all the things that hinder us from really praying. Prayers of authority with boldness and courage. I pray that you would begin to make evangelists and teachers and pastors even in this rooms, in this room. That you would build up ministers and shepherds. And Lord, in all these ways that you would build up your church. And Father, I pray that when anyone walks in through the doors, they would not experience the work of humans. They would experience the work of Christ. <clears throat> Father, I pray that as we take communion, that as we go back to our homes, Lord, would you not let us forget what you are speaking to us. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.